0: In this week's episode of Let's Talk About It, we are going to explore the question, is mentorship dead? And then we're going to review the formidable, the amazing show, The Queen's Gambit. You're here. You made it. Now let's talk about it.
1: Well, hello there, kind people. Yo, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About It. I'm Malcolm,
0: and I'm Micah. We're so glad you're here. Yes, we are. <laughs>
1: How are you doing, my love?
0: Oh, you know, actually, I'm doing I'm doing pretty good today, and I'm grateful for that. That's good. <laughs> As your eyebrows raise in surprise, yeah.
1: another another day in this panoramic that we're in. Oh no.
0: Oh no, <laughs> y'all! It's important to to double check your tweets
1: before you post them. Panoramic and pand- pandemic are not the same thing.
0: <sighs> but we've all had typos, you know.
1: And we've all been in the middle of a panoramic.
0: We, yes, <laughs> yes, we have. How are you? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm good. Christmas is close. It's gonna be the weirdest Christmas ever, indeed. And but. I'm with the, the part of my family that I got to choose. Wow! And I'm really excited about spending the holidays with you.
0: I was not ready for that. I know you weren't. I thought you were going to crack another joke, but that was actually really sweet. Thank you. I'm so glad I got to, got to choose you as well. So.
1: What we talk about today, boo?
0: You know, that's a great question. I thought so too. <laughs> <laughs> We've already answered it at the beginning of this episode. Um, I'm excited because we finally finished watching the Queen's Gambit. And of course, like so many things that we finish, we want to talk about it with you. And we're gonna begin with a spoiler alert because
1: Spoiler alert. There's gonna be
0: some of those.
1: <laughs> spoiler alert.
0: Um, but yeah, Malcolm, what did you what what would you say is your overall rating of the show
1: are oh, we gonna start off with that huh yeah
0: just you know throw out a blurb mm-hmm. like what would you say to somebody who was asking oh about so the
1: show? am i giving a rating or what am i doing both but well, what's the other <laughs> thing that i'm doing
0: <laughs> a rating and a blurb
1: the queen's game but it's a story mm-hmm. of a young woman mm-hmm. who overcomes significant personal challenges oh, wow. to become the number one chess player in the world
0: that was that was off the cuff too
1: and in those moments, she not only finds victory, mm. but she finds herself. Okay. Wow. That's I just got to throw that little movie tagline in there. You have to. Um, so, yeah, that's that's basically the plot. Uh, <laughs> that's it.
0: That's it. Then,
1: uh, there you uh, go. The end. So, yeah, it's uh, it's about a young woman um, who is orphaned in a set of horrific circumstances.
0: Yeah. Which, I mean, you find out throughout the show, have been developing for quite a while. Yes. These
1: circumstances. Yes. Um and there she meets what's the what's the uh, janitor's name?
0: So we also haven't said her name yet. It's yes, Beth. it's Beth. Beth Harmon. Beth Harmon is, is the young woman who's uh-huh. who's orphaned, and Mister Scheibel.
1: Mister Scheibel
0: is the janitor at the orphanage.
1: Yes, and she teach he teaches her how to play chess, mm-hmm. and she's just immediately obsessed with the game. She sees it in her dreams. She's All she wants to do is play chess in a world where women are not normally allowed to play chess.
0: They are not.
1: And so, you know, whether it's intentional or not, this this janitor schools her in the ways of chess. She gets books and reads as much as she can stand.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And she becomes quite good at it.
0: Yeah. And I think what he was reluctant, of course, at first to Mm -hmm. teach her, um, not only because she was a girl, but. You know she's a kid, and mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like i got I got a job to do mm-hmm. and this is my like calm space down here in this basement where I play chess. I mm-hmm. don't want you in my space mm-hmm. um but he immediately sees that she's got a knack for this game
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he decides to yeah, like you said teach her take take her under his chess wing, yes, so there are some other elements yes there alongside are. of her obsession mm-hmm. with chess um there's this green medication mm-hmm. that they are giving to the young people in this orphanage mm-hmm. and we don't quite know exactly what it is mm-hmm. um beth's friend jolene refers to i think she, at one point she says don't take them until you go to sleep
1: mm-hmm.
0: so i don't know if these are
1: like uh, ration them out yeah
0: yeah Take it easy on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this drug is, I guess, supposed to keep the kids calm while they're in the orphanage. But it's actually a key part of Beth's ability to imagine the chess plays. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually sees the chessboard on the ceiling at night mm-hmm. when she takes this medication. Mm-hmm. But the dark side of it is she becomes addicted Yes, very quickly. Yes. And we see that. Follow her throughout the storyline as well.
1: I mean, and you really see that she really... I don't know. Would you describe her as an addictive personality?
0: It's interesting. Because there was also a moment where the journalist came in, in, into her home and tried to make implications that she's got some either psychosis mm-hmm. or an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I would be that cut and dry. Mm-hmm. I think she went through quite a bit of trauma early Mm -hmm. in her life. And she was trying to find things to fill some pretty, you know, empty feeling spaces. Mm -hmm. And I think the drug was a part of that. And chess was a part of that too.
1: Mm -hmm. So, um, we'll just hit the highlights of the movie. She gets, she ends up getting adopted by a family, um, a family who can no longer have children. And the wife is really interested, really passionate about inviting a, child into their home the husband is not
0: not so much long
1: story short um she uh the the couple divorces Mm
0: -hmm. well
1: whatever (laughs) they're not together anymore
0: mr wheatley decides to Uh go on a work trip he never returns yes
1: (laughs) and without getting too deep into the minutiae um her but during this time this starts the bond between Mrs. Wheatley and Beth, mm-hmm. um, and at this by this time Elizabeth has developed a reputation as a superior chess player in mm-hmm. her area.
0: Beth is pretty baller, and she hasn't even made it through high school yet.
1: Yeah, and so she starts to do competitions and local ones, then state ones, then national ones, where she's just she's first of all a woman, which is rare, mm-hmm. um, and then she's just dominating players that
0: just wiping them out just wiping
1: them out and then um so she she you know kind of gets to the top of the US field mhm um and it's time to beat this guy named Borgoff Borgoff who is the number one chess player in the world from Russia as they always are in all the movies <laughs>
0: that's true you know the top
1: sports person <laughs> is from russia whether it's whether it's uh mighty ducks whether it's <laughs> Yo, rocky that's whether true. it's yeah <laughs> whatever
0: hollywood still considers russia the yes. epitome of america's enemy <laughs>
1: um and so she plays him the first time and she beats him or he meets her yes he and so she has to really start the process all over again and mm-hmm. go back to the local level and work her way back up um and along the way she meets some people that she kind of doesn't build relationships with additionally but then it does later um and so she's doing all these international trips and on one of these international trips she goes to mexico to play um and she does. Uh, what we didn't tell you guys is that her Adopted mother has a serious alcohol problem. She does very serious alcohol problem. Um, and one day after one of Beth ma- best matches, she comes back to the room and her, and her mother's dead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: sitting here like, I mean, you know, some things happen in between there, but we're hitting the highlights.
1: We're hitting the highlights. Right. Um, and so this affects her. She has to figure out, you know, she how she going to live, how she going to survive. You know, she's making pretty good money um doing chess but and her her, her mother was not working um, and they pretty much devoted all their time to her doing these tournaments and making money but still it's concerned. concern so she um tries to call her stepmother's ex-husband who is Yikes. not helpful in the least mr wheatley is not helpful um, tells her that she she can't have the house and then eventually reneges on that and then she has to buy the house from him mm-hmm. it becomes a whole thing but she has the money and she does it congratulations to her but she has to go back and try to play board off again indeed um and she loses again
0: she does
1: um and this sends her into another tailspin and so by this point she's really developed a pretty strong de- dependence on alcohol as a coping mechanism she's really incapable of just drinking one drink yeah, it snowballs. It becomes th- six, seven, eight, nine, ten drinks, and then she's dancing in her living room
0: and passing out to
1: music that's not there, and then waking up, and then go buying more alcohol and doing it all over again for like three days straight, and then it's chess time, and she focuses on tr- chess and her drugs,
0: and somehow still
1: <laughs> it's dusts
0: what? the floor still with still
1: these the floor. Um, And so, the last time she's played Borgoff, she actually goes to Russia. Mm-hmm. It's the big. It's the big. It's the big leagues now. It is. She has to play against all of the best Russian players on her way up to playing Um And so what she realizes is that as she is playing these Russian players, the Russian players are then going with Borgoff and breaking down her game and showing him essentially how to beat her. But it doesn't work. So she's trying to figure it out it's not working. The first the first game, are there this is the third game, match between them now. She's beat everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's getting tight. And so she goes back to hotel hotel room. She doesn't know what to do, and she gets a call from basically every person that's ever helped her with chess up until this <laughs> yeah, point. That's true. And they all are like, "We've been listening to the game. This is what you do." And so they give her the playbook for how to beat Borgoff. And then, long story short, there's a whole. There's more things that happen, but she finally beats Borgoff. She
0: finally beats Borgoff.
1: And that's how the movie
0: ends. It does. Yeah. It does. And there's this beautiful ramp up of a, a fanship that she's developing in, in Russia. And after she wins this last game against Borgoff, of course, you know, her escort security guard person. CIA. Was it the CIA? Yeah, CIA agent. Ah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's like, yeah, okay, let's hop on the plane. Let's, uh, you know, hit these. Uh, appearances and, and get back to America, and she hops out the limousine. And she's like, "I'll walk." Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, "You're gonna miss your flight." And you see the last scene: she walks into the park where there are these wonderfully seasoned elders mm-hmm. s- sitting with their chess boards, and they all recognize her because mm-hmm. she's just beat, you know, the the world champion Borgoff mm-hmm. and. It ends with her sitting down to play a game of chess with one of these older citizens. Yes. And it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, So there is the summary. But Malcolm, what made this show so awesome?
1: Um, Great casting. Let's start there. Great casting. Uh, The lead actress. I don't remember her name, but she was also in um, Split um
0: she was i keep forgetting that yes she was the main girl anya taylor joy she
1: was she was great in the movie just showing the the (laughs) complexities of her character as Mm -hmm. excuse me an orphan who overcame so much to get to where. but she was still she was constantly overcoming things
0: she was very much in the process of overcoming but anya has this way of holding the camera's gaze Mm -hmm. that like Every actress can't have that many close-ups. And she just, like, wow. The subtleties. The eyes. The eyes. Her facial expressions. Mm -hmm. She's really good at at directing the audience to what to look at with Mm -hmm. her gaze. Yeah. Um, So it was just, yeah, like, just very well casted. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what I appreciated, though, is that I think there was this... um, you know, kind of this eccentricism of her character, Mm -hmm. of Beth as the person. Mm -hmm. And I appreciated that the, the writer didn't like, I don't know how to say it, but they didn't like make it awkward. They didn't like, you know how some shows are beginning to kind of, intensify the like this character is quirky Mm -hmm. and they don't have they don't socialize the way other people Mm -hmm. do and it's like sometimes people are just just medium awkward and that's okay (laughs) um so i appreciated that they didn't make that extra awkward i don't know if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um but you can tell that the amount of trauma that she had gone through had put this distance between her and everyone else, mm-hmm. um, which was understandable. I mean, her mom clearly had some mental health obstacles that she was overcoming that also contributed to her her mom's death. Mm-hmm. So she didn't really trust anybody. Um, chess was the only thing that she trusted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that that was that was poetic. It was kind of a dark mm-hmm. poetic
1: element I of the dis- show. I think distance is something that's pretty. Common, I mean, like, I mean, for, I mean, a, a common storyline throughout the movie, mm-hmm. Um she was skeptical of people, mm-hmm. didn't trust a whole lot of people. And so in every relationship that she somewhat developed, there was a point where they tried to get closer and she kind of pulled back.
0: Absolutely. Like
1: whenever she failed or lost, she's like, people are like, well, let's come." And She's like, no, I, I need, need
0: to be, be, I need to be alone. Herself. Yeah.
1: Um, and so you kind of see this theme of her being, her isolating herself and feeling the pressure to figure figure out in the in the chess world how to beat this. Mm-hmm. In in the real world she's got to figure out how to provide for herself. She's got to figure out how to get to Russia. Um and so it's it's worked for her up to a certain point but when it came to fi- playing Borgoff she couldn't do it by herself anymore. Yeah. She was fighting against something that was beyond her ability and so it was really for me one of the beautiful parts of the movie is when All of her people that have taught her anything about chess up to this point um, and that were still alive um, called her and said, this is how you do it. And basically they had their own version of what Borgoth was doing Mm -hmm. with the people that played against her. Um, And so it kind of showed we can only do so much by ourselves, no matter how talented we are, no matter how great we are, there's a ceiling and you can't do it by yourself. Even
0: for the greatest. Yeah. Because she was, she is essentially the greatest chess player ever. Yeah. Um, and you see, I think that was a very redemptive mm-hmm. subplot of the show because mm-hmm. the first time that she encounters Benny, mm-hmm. Benny Watts, who is this, I believe he came from New, no, New York, Texas. He's from New York. New York. Mm-hmm. Um You know, started playing chess when he was like in the womb Mm -hmm. and he approaches her at one of her tournaments and he's like, hey, can I give you some pointers? And, you know, this is what I think you should have done differently. You should you should like Mm -hmm. walk it through, you know, Mm -hmm. go back to your room and walk it through on the chess on the chessboard. She's like, no, I don't want to. Mm -hmm. So you can see this like immediate. I You know, I don't trust you. I don't know you. But at the end, he's the one who actually initiates the call with mm-hmm. all of these people on the phone mm-hmm. who have watched her progress throughout her career. Mm-hmm. He's the one who makes that call. He brings everyone together. So yeah. it's it's a very redemptive, like, Beth goes from pushing everyone away to finally embracing that she yeah. she does need yeah. other people. Mm-hmm. Um
1: and even like her, mo- the relationship with her mother. Her mother prob- needed her more than she needed.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Her and so that relationship was allowed to be close because, okay, she needs me.
0: I think so, but I'm I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I felt very skeptical of mm-hmm. of her mom mm-hmm. because Mrs. Wheatley obviously was going through a very tough time. Her husband just left mm-hmm. her. But you could see the way that she was exploiting Beth a little bit yeah. to go on all these trips as mm-hmm. Beth was going on these tor- tournaments. Mm-hmm. I was like, I could feel myself bracing for her mom to like do something really just jacked up to Beth. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, she never, they really developed this. I don't know. Maybe it is codependent, but it was a yeah. beautiful relationship where Beth understood that she needed her mom. She mm-hmm. developed a very beautiful emotional relationship with her mom mm-hmm. and mom needed to be needed by Beth.
1: Yeah. I mean, you saw, I can't remember. If it was the first board match or some other match where she's looking for her mom in the crowd Yeah, and she doesn't show up and she eventually loses the match. Yeah. But you could see like, okay, now this is becoming where it looks like Beth's mom needs her that she need that they both need each other. They do,
0: yeah. And I think that's the first time that Beth really allowed that to happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, she didn't even let that happen with her her best you know I would say her best friend Jolene mm-hmm. at the at the orphanage.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, however, we do see that friendship develop beautifully.
1: Well, I think that relationship was a little different because I think she still I don't know how to describe it, but I still feel like. So everyone else, especially in the chess world, is is below her at True. some level. Yeah,
0: she didn't have any peers really.
1: But this is like the only real peer relationship that she has, like
0: Oh, with Jolene.
1: Like there's a there's a there's a there's a um a term that's used specifically in black culture, but big bro in somebody. And it's not oh, necessarily yeah. a negative thing, but like that's I'm big bro, that's little bro, he knows how it works. And that's really the only person
0: yeah that's that can true. like
1: big bro her that she can be like yeah that's she took care of me yeah she took care of me when i was at the orphanage i didn't know anybody i didn't know what to do
0: but i don't think beth realized it
1: i don't think it i don't think it's a conscious thing right right but but you could see it in in their dynamic absolutely she's the only person that really i hate to use this word but she submitted to mm-hmm. just like yeah. Everybody else is kind of like, all right, look, uh, even when in, even when these chess players who in their own world are really good, but mm-hmm. are still not good enough, as good as Beth in America, um, they try to help her. She's like, I just beat you. Why would I listen to you? <laughs> right. And there's that first exchange. She's kind of like, Oh, OK, yeah. Oh, yeah, you can help me. You're right. But there's no moment with that with Jolene.
0: There isn't. Yeah. That you make a good even, point.
1: Even after they've been separated for all these years and Jolene comes back to check on her, she's still like. This is still Jolene. Like, this is still the girl, the older girl that helped me in the orphanage.
0: But it was interesting because Jolene, I don't think, mm, I don't want to draw that, that harsh of a distinction, but there was a conversation between them in Mm -hmm. the, um, in the gym, I guess, where Jolene offers to pay a bit of Beth's way to Mm -hmm. get to the tournament in Russia. Mm -hmm. And Beth says, Jolene, you're my, you're my guardian angel. Mm -hmm. And Jolene's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, like there was a time when me and you like, all we had was each other. Mm -hmm. And I would think that if I were to need you for something, you would do something for me. And Mm -hmm. now I'm, you need me for something and I'm doing something for you. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is family. Mm -hmm. This is what we do. Um, and so I think in that moment, it really clicked for Beth. It became conscious that that dynamic, but there was also
1: a tension in that moment. You think so? Because there's not up to that point. She is not a pay it forward person. Like even remember the scene where she, she, she is going back, to basically starting over her road to get back to whatever the international competition is, mm-hmm. and she's playing in that local competition. And the girl that she played her very first competitive match comes up to her It's is like, "Oh my gosh, I just wanted to see you again." And da 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 da. And she's just kind of like, "Okay." She's well. like, "But, but what I'm saying is that she she doesn't whatever trait or personality piece that you need to like be able to like be nostalgic." Or to like, oh, this means something to this person. Like yeah. I should like really lock it. She doesn't have it. And so in mm-hmm. that moment, she didn't really know how to respond to what she said. Because in her mind, she's like, oh, yeah, I would probably do this for Jolene. But I've never done this for anybody. So would I? would I really? Yeah. So there's a little bit of tension there. Mm-hmm. Because she's coming to a realization about herself like, oh, crap. Every relationship I've ever had when it came time. I didn't step up Or I pushed them away Or whatever Yeah But this is like A real relationship That I need to like (laughs) Salvage I
0: think that was A turning point for her Yeah Like you said I think She may not have even Done it in that moment With Jolene Mm -hmm. But she began To make the turn To understand that Like oh There's some reciprocity That relationships need Because When she finally Reunites with um, The one chess player Oh Towns Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, Towns was a complex subplot. Mm-hmm. She um she has a crush on Towns, and Towns, yeah, he's he's not attracted to her sexually. Um, because he's gay. Well, no, I think yeah, yeah, he's gay. <laughs> um, I was trying to remember if he said he was. Wh- there was a there was a part of the conversation with her where he either said I was confused or I was exploring or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so maybe you know bisexual gay either way he didn't want a sexual relationship with her Mm -hmm. and they reunite and there's a moment where he asks her for forgiveness but also says like you know you kind of you kind of broke my heart because i wanted a friendship with you Mm -hmm. and she was like yeah you know i have a tendency to do that to people Mm -hmm. and that was that was like one of the first out loud moments of introspection. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, she'd had a few beforehand, yeah. but you see this pattern developing in her where she's able to acknowledge how she's affecting people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's reciprocity. She's being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I think it began in that moment with Joanne yeah. in the gym.
1: So one more thing I want to talk about, about this movie before we, yes. before we pivot the
0: show
1: is what was the janitor's name? Mr. Mr. Scheibel. Mr. Scheibel. this, this, man we see is really kind of like the unofficial father for for beth right yeah introduces her to this game that she ends up loving and just gives all of her energy all of it (laughs) all of her energy toward um and after she leaves the orphanage well let's back it up a little bit so she helps her like Takes her to this—is uh, it a high school like yeah, chess club? Yeah, where she plays all of the high school at chess the same time and just beats them all. That she's like what ten years old at this time, mm-hmm. like just demolishing them. And so that kind of like enters her into this world, and they take this picture together. This article about her. Um, and so fast forward, um, Jolene comes to see her mm-hmm. at her house and lets her know that Mister Scheibel passed away. Yeah. Um, so they go to the they go to the funeral. It's very sparsely attended, not a whole lot of people there. And they pull up to the to the orphanage. Like, hey, do you want to go inside? She's like, nope, I never want to go inside there. Um, and so somehow she ends up actually going inside, going down into the basement, and sees goes through the basement where she learned how to play chess and sees. Just looking around. I don't know if she's even looking for anything specific. But then she turns around and sees this wall where Mr. Scheibold has kept every news clipping about her. Every match she's won. Every award she's won. Every article she's ever been in. And there's a picture from um, the the newspaper article that they did together mm-hmm. about her being this chess prodigy. And she looks at that picture and she just breaks, breaks that, down. Finally breaks down. Yo. Um, and she starts to to realize that she meant something to him, that he wasn't just another one of these people in her life. Yeah. Um, and so this is a really beautiful moment where you see, where you see her like, I even more so than losing her adoptive mother, this felt more like the loss of a parent. Oh, yeah. Like, Absolutely. this is this was like my father in, in chess. Like, yeah.
0: Because she didn't even, I mean, when she lost her mom, you could see that she quite overtly repressed. Yeah. She just went straight into drinking. Yeah. And but with this, yeah. she crumbles into Jolene's arms and just cries. And I think, I mean, I would imagine that she's embracing the feeling of being loved by, yeah, you know, Mr. Scheibel. And she didn't realize it until.
1: In a relationship that offered him nothing.
0: Nothing in return. She
1: didn't do anything for him. She didn't give him he didn't get any notoriety out of this or anything um but this this guy still followed her and loved and had love for her and cared for her even after she was gone um and i think that i think that was really a turning a big turning point oh, for yeah. her oh yeah um because there's really even I don't think she believed in selfless relationships.
0: Oh, no. No, why like would she? Everybody
1: wanted something, like, even people that some people that helped her in chess also were attracted to her. So yeah. it was like
0: everything was an exchange. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and so this was something that he just gave to her, and that was only he only gave and didn't ask anything of her.
0: And this is what I appreciate about the writing because mm-hmm. the writers did this on two levels, right? Mm-hmm. You see the selflessness in like. Mr. Scheibel, you know, he didn't ask anything of her in return. And you see this very vulnerable moment where she realizes his love for her. But there was also a tangible example because years before when she was heading to her very first tournament in Kentucky, she mails him a letter asking for $10 mm-hmm. and she says, I'll pay you back, you know, once I win. Mm-hmm. And that letter was on this board mm-hmm. next to the picture that she found of those two. Yeah, And it's like. He never, you know, mailed her back like, hey, uh-huh. yo, Where where's my money? My money? Uh-huh. Run, me, run me my ten dollars. Uh-huh. And so you see this letter next to this picture. Uh-huh. And it's like, wow, like this man wanted nothing in return for yeah. me. Um, So that that was just like, oh, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: So that brings us to the next topic that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. um, And that's mentorship. Oh. You know, obviously, Beth had a mentor.
0: Mm-hmm. Whether she knew. Well, I guess she did know.
1: Maybe yeah. <laughs> um, who helped, kind of help her find her passion, mm-hmm. and then help her develop it in the, in the early stages. Um, but the question we want to ask is: mentorship in this current generation, in this current world, dead?
0: That is the question we want to ask.
1: So, Micah, <laughs> let's start here as we before we get to that ultimate question.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why? What are the factors that are leading to the possibility that mentorship may be dead?
0: First off, very well phrased. I mean, I <sighs> wouldn't expect that. I was like, "Oh, okay, a good <laughs> question. Um, so i was thinking about this like why why does it seem like mentorship is dying and i would say the first factor that comes to mind is that we've commodified knowledge mm. like it you don't get knowledge for free nowadays yeah. mm-hmm. um and so mentorship i mean that's the act of developing a relationship with someone who knows less than you yeah and you're basically saying i'm going to give you this knowledge for free mm-hmm. that That don't work in this current world. You know, you have to be either extremely wealthy and you just have a bunch of knowledge to just spare without getting paid for it. Mm -hmm. Or you really sacrifice something valuable Mm -hmm. by freely giving your knowledge to someone. So I would say that that's definitely a factor.
1: Mm. I think another another factor is. We are more connected, yet less connected than we've ever been, Mm. Like, you know, obviously we have social media and cell phones, mm-hmm. but that's not genuine connection.
0: And it's, I wouldn't say it's, it's emotional connection in most, yeah. in most yeah. situations. Well, I think gen-
1: Yes. Genuine connection is emotional. Yeah. At a certain level. So I think in a way we, we develop a lot of relationships that are not as close as we think they are or, or, or are closer or are not as, yeah. What, what I originally right. said, they're not as close as we think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a lot more fragile and when it comes down to it, we're not that, that deep connection isn't there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a necessary part, real experiences, real interactions, real conversations. Yeah. And that's hard to have if you don't have a genuine connection.
0: And a connection that has some resilience to it. Mm-hmm. Cause I think with mentorship, the mentor in a lot of ways is helping the mentee manage the emotions of, mm-hmm. Learning a skill or mm-hmm. you know a skill set,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and so if you have this purely transactional mm-hmm. way of interacting with most of the people in your life, which a lot of us do, I mm-hmm. mean, like you said, uh, we have these small, the small kind of subset of relationships that are genuine and deep, and then most of our relationships are about the exchange. Mm-hmm. So, if you don't have that depth, if you don't have that resilience, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then you know, if your mentee misses a meeting or mm-hmm. they don't take a piece of your advice yeah. or, you know, it can it can be easy to be like, Oh, okay, mm-hmm. well, you don't really you don't really want this or yeah. you don't really value the knowledge that I'm giving you for free. So you can find another way to learn your knowledge.
1: Yeah. I'd also say one of the it's I don't think it's a a requirement or it's not always the case. But the majority of of um Mentorship relationships happen across a a generation Mm -hmm. gap. Like there's one person that's a a Gen X and there's somebody that's baby boomer, whatever. Right. And I think and I've said this to you before. I don't think there's a bigger generation gap than our millennial generation and the generation before us. I don't think there's been a bigger, Hmm. whether it's you want to call it social, emotional, but whatever that gap is, it's it's bigger than it's ever been.
0: Um, yeah, and it's not even years necessarily. It's not,
1: but it's it's mindset. Mindset,
0: it's, knowledge, tech, like how we understand the world. Yeah. Like the world that millennials grew up in is so different because it yeah. moves so much faster than yeah. their parents mm-hmm. and their grandparents' world. Yeah. So, yeah, I would agree with you.
1: And so I think that has left a lot of baby boomers, I don't want to say unwilling, but very hesitant to mentor people in the, in the next generation because they don't understand, mm. they don't understand it. And I think mm-hmm. so much of the things that we value and so so many of the things that, that are important to us are just not important to them. And they don't understand that. Yeah.
0: There's very different. And Some values. of it is
1: maybe even direct conflict with what their values are. There. And it's like, why well, I, I don't even want to do it.
0: I don't um, have time or the energy to do and it. And
1: so one thing that I've experienced growing up was there was this desire from people in our generation to be like we want to be active we want to be involved we want to be in leadership we want to be able to do like do the work mm-hmm. but the generation b- behind us is are in front of us however you want to mm-hmm. <laughs> picture it in your mind is like well you need to wait your turn
0: yeah
1: it's like well why
0: and we never got the answer or, or it was just you're too young you don't have enough experience
1: it's just because. Because I said so. Because. And yeah. that's like, for our generation that's like, we're trying to figure this out. Yeah. Like we're, you know, we look at like the things that we faced in our generation before we've turned 40 and it's like, <laughs> like we're trying to figure this out as we go along and it's unprecedented the things yeah. that we have to deal with. But we are always asking questions like why? Mm-hmm. why, why? Why do we do things that way? But constantly like being told the status quo is, is the norm. And so I think that's a big part of it too is that those yeah. cross-generational relationships are harder because that gap is so wide between yeah. the two.
0: I I agree. Yeah. And I would even say I don't think I don't think baby boomers or even older Gen Xers are sitting in a room somewhere saying, yeah. "We're going to hoard knowledge. Absolutely We're never going to tell blah blah blah." Mm-hmm. But I think there's a feeling of um like the it, the world that millennials and Gen Zers are trying to navigate is so foreign mm-hmm. that I think Gen Xers and, and boomers are like, I, I don't really know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. You know, so you guys figure it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I have, you know, I haven't experienced a lot of honesty either mm-hmm. from those two generations yeah. where they're just willing to say that. Yeah. A lot of times it comes across as. You know, us millennials and you know, our younger Gen Z or counterparts, you're arrogant, you think you know everything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, No, I mean we we tried to ask you guys for some <laughs> for some guidance and mm-hmm. we didn't really get that. So we're just trying to figure it out on our own. Yeah. Um so what what I'm beginning to see is mentorship that we're trying to do something like that mm-hmm. in, in our own generation. Mm-hmm. Um But what chafes against that is this culture of like busyness Mm -hmm. and almost the necessity to have like multiple streams of income (laughs) just to like survive. Mm -hmm. So we don't have, we don't have the emotional margin or just time Mm -hmm. to come alongside of our peers. And I think a lot of us want to, I think in our culture there's this generosity of knowledge that we're beginning to cultivate, but we just don't have because we're so busy Mm -hmm. and so many of us are paying, you know, ridiculous amounts of student loans and we're you know just trying to chase the cost of living where we are <laughs> we just don't have time to mentor even though we want to
1: so as we wrap this up what are the what do you think are the most important elements of a mentorship relationship so we saw this example in in the movie mm-hmm. um but in real life yeah. what ingredients need to be there for a healthy mentorship relationship
0: i mean i i can't help but say the generosity of knowledge Mm -hmm. like you can't you can't be someone who hoards knowledge and Mm -hmm. be a mentor at the same time Mm -hmm. um but i would also say a mentor is someone who's willing to learn from their mentee Mm -hmm. like what that mentee's culture is, what their way of thinking is, their values are, so mm-hmm. that they can actually come alongside of mm-hmm. the mentee mm-hmm. rather than imposing on the mentee a way of thinking yeah. so I would say those two things come to mind for me
1: I think also I think this is I think this is something that is the responsibility of the of the mentor, and we saw it in the movie is you have to be willing to selflessly give mm hmm Uh, a mentorship relationship that is requiring something of the mentee yeah like you need to pay this back that's not a mentor relationship that's something else
0: it's it's a business right
1: it's it's something completely different but as a mentor you have to be willing to like you said be willing to freely give of the information wisdom that you have yeah um not because you want them to shout you out or Mm -hmm. say that this is my father in the ministry or whatever. Mm -hmm. It has to be because you generally love this person and you want to see them. You don't want to see them fail. And I think that is another thing that's missing is that I think people want people to make mistakes so that they can watch you fail and and watch you learn from that instead of learning from the wisdom that you can impart to people. And I think that's, it's. It is an absolute must. You have to be willing to give, even if it costs you something, and it will. If it costs you position, if it costs you influence, whatever, you have to be willing to give, and give, and give, and give.
0: Yeah, and that takes That takes humility. Yeah. That takes. Um, an abundance mentality like yeah. you you can't have a worldview that says there isn't enough yeah. notoriety to go around mm-hmm. and be someone who's comfortable mentoring mm-hmm. because the reality is that person if you mentor well probably they're going to be able to pass you up one day and yeah. you have to be comfortable with that yeah um so yeah I, I yeah i think you're spot on um but i would also say on a practical note you have to have time mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah you people who are and I'm I'm speaking to myself right now because I run myself ragged with so little margin in mm-hmm. my day there's no way I could you know mentor the way that I want to in most cases mm-hmm. so a mentor really has to be willing to say no to a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. more stuff than they probably want to in order to make room for men mentorship relationships mm-hmm. I think
1: I think the other thing that I would say on the mentee side of it is that something I heard um This is going to be a really off-the-wall example, but I hope it makes sense. Mm. Um, 50 Cent. Okay. Came up under, came up on um, Eminem's record label. I did not know that. Yeah. And so one thing that he constantly says, if anybody asks him about Eminem, um, he says, if I'm ever on a track with Eminem, I'm never going to try to outshine him. Mm. He's the one who gave me the opportunity and... You'll never hear me try to outshine him, and I'll never. you'll never hear me say anything negative about him. There you go. And so I think as mentees, there's a responsibility for us to still hold that person in esteem, no matter how high we get.
0: Exactly. No matter
1: where we go, no matter what we a- accomplish, that person deserves an honor and reverence that is special.
0: Absolutely. But that only...
1: That only works if the other elements are there That's to begin true. with. It, does, yeah. it doesn't work the other way.
0: Because if if that mentee has had a relationship where the men, they felt betrayed by the mentor yeah. or, you know, they felt like it was a transaction, mm-hmm. it's hard for them to have that honor. Yeah. I mean, yes, it is still their responsibility, but it becomes mm-hmm. harder to honor the mentor. Yeah. if They didn't really nurture them yeah. well. Um so yeah, it's this very. I think there's this interplay between all these ingredients. Yeah.
1: I think there's there's a moment bringing it back full circle to the Queen's Gambit, mm. where she's in Russia and a reporter, I, b- I believe it might have even been her friend, the reporter yes. that was there, ask her, you know, basically like who's the who's the the player or person that you right. look up to the most or who taught you the most about. And I think they all expect her to give some one of these elite uh, chess players' names, and she says, "Mr. Shavel."
0: Yep. And she said, she's she a janitor in such and such place.
1: And, but then she also said, make sure you actually put that in the article. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she wasn't
0: playing around. And I think the very first time she had a journalist come to her place, mm-hmm. she was, you know, raving about Mr. Scheibel. And they didn't put anything in there about mm-hmm. him. And so she's grieving to her mom afterward about how they didn't mention anything about Mr. Yeah. Scheibel. So there was this very beautiful reverence, like you said, that that Beth had for um, Mr. Shybel, because she recognized, like, yo, like I wouldn't be where I am mm-hmm. had it not been for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there anything else about mentorship we want to cover before we?
0: There's there's so much.
1: There's so much we could do. It. We could do a whole podcast <laughs> just about this. Um, but this is just a small itsy bitsy part of the conversation, and so we'd love to hear from you guys. Absolutely. Let us know how you think about mentorship. Um, what are some struggles that you've had? What are some positive? Examples that you've had of mentorship. um the positives. Um, and also talk about the Queen's Gambit. What did you like? What didn't you like? Have you watched it yet? Did this make you want to watch it? Go watch it. Um, so you can use the hashtag Talk About It. P O D. Um, you can also converse with us on Twitter.
0: On the Twitterverse.
1: I am at Malcolm M Music.
0: And I'm at Spoken Worship. Yes. So you can tag
1: us. Use the hashtag. We'd love to continue this conversation beyond the podcast fear.
0: Beyond the podcast
1: fear. So, Micah, what did we learn today?
0: Well, we learned that uh, the Queen's Gambit was amazing. So that was a very important lesson. Um, but we also talked about some factors that make mentorship difficult in this day and age mm-hmm. and what factors make it work Mm -hmm. so can't wait to hear how you all continue this conversation i have been micah morgan
1: and i'm malcolm morgan and
0: can't wait to see you next time
1: yep this is let's talk about it see y'all later